Heyo, welcome everyone to episode 21 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and this is my co-host Dylan from Galactic Battleground. Howdy. This week we're going to look into IO Arcade. This is a shining star in the Madison, Wisconsin scene. Um, they're an awesome indie arcade bar out there, um, and I want you guys to meet Mitchell Torino today. How are you doing today, Mitchell? Doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Um, so... We've stopped over at Madison um, I.O. a couple times, and it's a really cool spot. But I want to know, who is Mitchell Torino? What did you do before you were the owner of the bar? So, yeah, my name is Mitchell Torino. I'm the owner at I.O. I uh, started out in food service and worked. I've been working in the industry basically my whole working life. I went to school in UW-Milwaukee for a couple of years studying music composition. I went to UW-Madison and switched majors a couple more times. I was a geologist for a little while. I was uh, a journalist, and then eventually I settled on a communications degree. Um, I got out of school, got an office job that I just absolutely hated, and I kind of did that thing that a lot of people in office jobs do, where they're sitting there, it's like, Thursday at 4.30 in the afternoon and just kind of fed up with the day. And they're like, this is stupid. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to open a bar and I'm going to invite all my friends and we're just going to get drunk and it'll be awesome. And 99.9% of the people that have that thought don't follow through with it. But I wound up quitting and going back into food service. I got a gig bartending here in Madison and in my downtime, I just kind of stuck to the idea. I was like, no, I would I would like to own my own place. I'd like it to be independent. Um, and so it slowly just built up from there, wanting to have my own place. And then the arcade idea came into it. And uh, years later, we opened November 2018. It's been a pretty wild ride ever since. That's awesome. So what is io and what makes io unique i know that you did this in 2018 like what was the grand opening like yeah uh see we opened november 2018 io is it's an arcade bar you can compare it to up down or like emporium uh, logan arcade places like that so we have about 45 arcade games 12 pinball machines we have a killer queen cabinet um and it's kind of interesting. We're the only place like it in Madison. Um, I think the closest one to us is probably in Milwaukee. Um, and we're a place that really was born through the service industry. I think a lot of our staff um, kind of made their living and grew up in the service industry. So you know, that's definitely a big group of people that would go into work at 6 p.m. and be there till 2 in the morning. And in all the other time, you're kind of just trying to find stuff to do. And so I think a ton of us were gamers even going into it. Um, yeah, this wasn't, we didn't, we definitely didn't start out as, an arcade with liquor. It was more of a bar that uh, included a lot more stuff to do than just sit around and chat with people. Uh, So we did a lot of research. I definitely went 
to Minneapolis, went to Up Down up there, I went to Emporium, I went to Logan Arcade, I went to uh, headquarters in Chicago. The first one I ever went to was 16-bit arcade in Columbus, Ohio. And from there, we kind of just tried to take the best of everything. So we tried to, you know, we we kind of did a pros and cons list of every single place and went, you know, what are the things that we universally like about arcade bars and what are the things that we universally don't like? Um, we definitely tried to put a, a lot more of a focus on like hanging out. I know one one of the most common issues that came up with places like Up Down was just that you're either standing in an arcade cabinet or you're ordering a drink. There's nowhere to really sit. There's not a lot of places to just hang out with your friends. It's it's a very active space and we wanted to create more of a community hangout spot. So we made sure to include a lot of seating. We do like board games and stuff. Um we do a little bit of food. And so, yeah, we, we really just tried to take a little bit of everything and mix it together and make our, our ideal spot. I think that sounds awesome that you went and did the research and looked at other arcade bars to really figure out what you wanted and what you didn't want, which is something that I've seen even myself visiting arcade bars. Some of them you go to and you're, I mean, you're exactly right. It's either you're ordering a drink or you're playing a game and there's not really too much in between. Um, and I, I absolutely love your guys' slogan about, uh, IO Arcade Bar is Madison's place for drinkers with a gaming problem. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. It's such a good way to represent it because so many people in there have been playing these games forever. And like you mentioned, the Killer Queen cabinet, like that's a very dedicated community. But I want to take a step back from the games for a second and go over the process of starting an arcade bar. Like, like you said, 99% of people are going to come up with this idea of like, oh, let's open a bar and we can drink with friends and have fun. But nobody actually does it. So what is that process like? And what tips would you give for someone that is leaning into actually acting on that? It's, it's really, it's a really fun process, but it's something that requires an incredible amount of planning. Um, Part of it is you just want to be prepared for whatever happens. And part of it is that, it's expensive. It's uh, we we moved into essentially an empty space. It's called a gray box build out. So they had walls and a floor and a ceiling, and then that was about it. So I think the entire build out for IO, which was putting in walls, putting in bathrooms, putting in a back room, a bar, all the electrical, all the plumbing. Uh, all the air conditioning just like from scratch was somewhere around $220,000. It's, it's something that once you start it, there's a certain point where you can't step away from it anymore until it's done. So it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of money but once you do it, it's a hundred percent worth it. I've made some of my best friends at this place. I have had some of my best nights at this place. Um, really, the way it started was, um, you know, my my office job was I well, I was a marketing manager, but a lot of that was planning financials, and it was, um. 
what's in the budget for our marketing, how are we going to split it between all of our different avenues of marketing, and just kind of using that experience, I um, just kind of started thinking, if I have money coming in, then how do we use that going out? What's our, you know, how much can we reasonably expect to make? And at that point, it's all about research. It's going into, um, you know, checking online, of course, but also just going to different bars and restaurants and seeing what are the things that they do to bring people in versus what are the things they actually do to make people money. Um, so doing all of that research, learning the arcades was another big thing. If you're going to open your own arcade bar, you can either have a tech, which is fairly expensive because this is a pretty niche business, or you can kind of start to learn it yourself. I didn't know anything about arcade repair before doing this, and now I've been doing it for about five years, and I can fix 90% of the problems that pop up in the bar. Um, I think really it just comes down to a lot of dedication of realizing that a lot of your free time is going to wind up just being reading and asking questions, finding people whose brains you can pick about it. That was that was really the hard part was just finding all of the resources in order to make an informed decision on whether it was a good idea and then being able to convince other people that it was a good idea. So in regards to like learning all of that and starting it up in 2018, how was the scene for the arcades in Madison growing? What was like the initial push for that? And like, what was your first buy? I know Killer Queen's a good buy for creating a community, but um, I'm curious as to what you did. Yeah, the arcade scene in Madison um, wasn't huge, but it was healthy. Um, the places that had arcade games were fairly popular. Um, so there's a big place on the west side called Geeks Mania. And that's more of the family arcade. It's like you pay $15. Um, you get to go in and play all the games for free for as long as you want. And they, I mean, their entire thing is um, just the variety of games they have. They have a really kick-ass collection. They have DDR. They have tons of pinball. They have some of the best pinball machines that you could look for. Um, all the classics that you could want. And then there were a couple of smaller places that were like, they were an arcade and something. It was like a pizza place slash arcade. Um, the one that I'm thinking of is called Rossi's. That's in Monona, just a few minutes outside of Madison. But um, nobody re had really taken the plunge on the arcade bar concept. It was either, um, you know, we have to make sure that we can get a set amount out of people, like charge $15 when they come in. And now they can play as much or as little as they want. Or it was a certain type of business first. And it just happened to have arcade games as a way to like keep people in. And I think a lot of that was people that were collectors that also had a business. I'm not sure. I, I haven't really talked to the other owners. So it's, I guess it's really just conjecture on my end. But I'm fairly certain some of it was just like, I run a business. I also have arcade games. Now I'm going to put them both together. Um, I, I don't know exactly how much of that stuff was um, planned from the start, 
but IO opened in November 2018. We would then, I think we would have been the third arcade in town. And since 2018, two more have popped up in various spots. Um, Vintage Vault Arcade and Nerd Haven Arcade both just are opening. Uh, Nerd Haven, I think, opened today. Vintage Vault, I think, in the next couple of months. So there's a lot of collectors. There's a lot of people that are really interested in the scene. And I think now more people are starting to try and make their own mark on the scene here in Madison, which is awesome. I, I welcome it. Are those are those scenes like that you said Night Haven and what was the other one? A vintage Vault. Vintage Vault. So are those like bars or is it just an arcade? Uh, they're both free play arcades. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, we're still the only one that's like a full on, um, you know, liquor license and arcade license. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what was the first game that you had like? I know, when did you get Killer Queen? That's like my first thing. Or was that like when you first opened? I'm sure you might have had that. I'm just kind of curious how that scene and like how you have regulars come in all the time. So Killer Queen, actually, I don't own Killer Queen. Um, we work with a company called Madison Pinball, and they provide our pinball and they they provide Killer Queen. And they like, I was getting ready to open. I had gotten a couple of emails from people saying, "Please tell me that you're going to have Killer Queen," and I was like why do people keep asking me about this game? You know, cause I had been collecting classics at that point. The first arcade game I got was a 12 in one Konami cabinet from like Walmart or something that I found on Craigslist for 200 bucks. And it still had a, like a CRT screen. And it still had, you know, it's still a stand up game. It kind of had that feel, but I didn't own like a, a classic arcade until I bought a Donkey Kong about eight months after that. Um, and that was kind of the start of the collection. And then, yeah, uh, probably eight months before we opened, I had like just announced that the build out was happening and this was definitely coming eventually. And of course, as a first time business owner, I was eight months out and I was like, three months, we're going to be open. Come on down. And then that turned into five and then six and then seven. And then eventually we opened. But, um, yeah, Mass and Pebble came to me and said, look, we've got tons of pinball machines. We had this game called Killer Queen. And I went, oh, that's the one that everyone's been asking me about. They said we should work out a deal. And so we we chatted, and I got a chance to play Killer Queen at a brewery in town, actually. Um, it was the first time I went for like um, like a tournament mixer. It was people from Chicago, people from Minneapolis, people from Milwaukee, people from Mass, and all coming together and just showed up. And I immediately fell in love with it. I've always loved the games with a ton of depth. I play a lot of like MOBAs and stuff like that. And so going into it, I I think the first thing I heard coming out of someone's mouth in that tournament was just like, all right, I think we should run a 2-2 berry on day, but that won't work on dust. We'll need like a 3-1 snail. And I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? That none of this makes any sense. And then, Sounds about right. That's how Bumble Bash Four was. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Two hours later, I was, you know, I was sitting there screaming at the cabs, just like, "Nice Jay, let's get a ledge!" Just like screaming all this, all this jibber jabber that now is just a, totally a part of my vocabulary. But yeah, we we worked in Madison Pinball. They brought it in. 
um, and it's been a hit ever since. They've been a big part of building that scene. There's a couple of regulars that um, are kind of our main tournament organizers and stuff like that. And so we set up Wednesday nights as Killer Queen night. And since then, we've held a couple of national tournaments. We held a lot of Midwest tournaments and then our weekly Madison meetup. Gotcha. So you're talking indie games here, obviously with Killer Queen being indie. And we just spoke with Nikita mm-hmm. last week, which that was awesome to hear the story about that. I'm wondering what other indie games do you guys have at IO? Do you have any any unique ones? And which ones are you kind of looking at getting in the future? Yeah, we so we have a game that's developed by a couple of uh, folks here in Madison. Uh, they have a group called Dad's Arcades, and they made a game called Block It Blast. That's um, it's kind of like a Pong Arkanoid combination. So it's this competitive game where you have a goal on either side, and each of you controls a paddle, and there's two balls in play at all time, and you're just trying to make it into the other team's goal. But then there's a bunch of obstacles in the way that as you break them down, you get power-ups out of them. And it's a ton of fun. Um, we definitely try and get people to jump on that cab a lot. We have a death ball cabinet, which, uh, is another indie game that's been a lot of fun. We call it wizard soccer. I mean, if you're not familiar with death ball, it's your two wizards, there's a goal on either side and it's much more of like an action oriented kind of thing. You're moving all around the stage, you're jumping around and every time you jump, you leave a little bubble on the ground. That's an obstacle that will just knock the soccer ball away. And so there's a lot of strategy of defense versus attack. And it's, it's, I mean, you'll play five games and it'll take three minutes and it's, it just eats quarters right up. It's awesome. Uh, we're, we were originally going to, but I don't know if it counts as an indie game. Cause I guess at this point they've uh, made some pretty major ones, but um Devolver Games, who did Enter the Gungeon, had um, an Enter the Gungeon arcade cabinet coming out that we were going to buy. And then if COVID happened, and they they completely changed how they were going to do everything. So that kind of fell through. But we always try and support the indie scene as much as we can. And if anyone is listening and you're making an arcade game and you want a place to show it off, uh, get in touch. Me and Joe, we played a lot of Enter the Gungeon, and we have yet to play into the Gungeon arcade game. And, you know, me and Joe, we've been playing video games for a long time, and I, I'm curious as to when did you get into video games, and when are your, what are some of your earliest memories of them? Somewhere locked away in, like, a safe or something that I will never be allowed into. My parents have a picture of me potty training while playing Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis. Um, <laughs> I, I've been playing video games since uh, as long as I can remember. Um, started out with a Sega Genesis, got a PlayStation, got an Xbox, PlayStation 2, Xbox One, uh, switched to PC gaming when I was fairly young, um, and got really... I, I got a lot more into competitive gaming. Um, my brother was... Um, globally ranked in Wolfenstein Enemy Territory back when that was a game. And um, I used, I mean, I still played Dota sometimes, but there was a time where I was playing it competitively, playing on a team, going to tournaments, stuff like that. Um, Grew up playing a lot of Command and Conquer. 
uh, Might and Magic, Elder Scrolls. Um, yeah, I I mean every every major game that's come out over the last twenty years, I think I've at least dipped my toes into. And it was kind of weird because I mean I didn't actually go to arcades that much. Like the first arcade I went to was at um, Disneyland or Disney World. I never know which one is which. Um, but there was like a steamboat that had a bunch of arcade games, and I just remember going there. And my parents gave my brother and I like ten dollars worth of quarters, and then they just went to a bar because they knew where we would be. We were just there playing the Simpsons arcade game for, you know, what felt like hours, even though now I've played through that entire game, it takes like 20 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then as soon as all this started up, um, I mean, in, initial concepts for IO started out as like, could this be a console gaming bar? Could this be, could we build our own arcade, arcade cabinets and host like steam on them? And then we could have, you know, we could put Towerfall and Dungeon Defenders and like all sorts of more modern arcade games on there. And over time, it kind of just fell back to why are we trying to reinvent it when Madison doesn't have, you know, the original in the first place. So that's when it kind of became an arcade bar. I like that. It sounds like you've been playing playing games for a really long time, um, oh, yeah. clearly and competitively. And um I guess since we kind of already got some memories from you as to what games, let's let's do a top three. Let's do a top three favorite games ever um, for whatever reason. Um, I know it's hard to pick just three, but whether it be nostalgia or perfect timing, like, I don't know, I'm biased to it, but I think the Xbox 360 is like one of the best consoles ever made just because mm-hmm. I played so many video games. That was like my middle school, early high school time when I played a ton. So for you, what are three of your favorite games of all times? Um, I think I'm going to go a little old school on it. Um, My number one, and it's entirely based on nostalgia and the amount of time I put into it, is Might and Magic 6 by 3DO, which came out in like 1999, I think. it was. What was that on? It was on PC. It was one of the first 3D open world RPGs. And I like my brother and I just played it all the time. We would constantly like you get a party of four characters and they can all be sorcerers or knights or druids or fighters or whatever. Um, and it, it was kind of, I think, the beginning of us like min maxing video games and trying to play them as well as we could, where you know, you would get six hours into a run and go, no, this isn't the right party. I need to change out my ranger and it needs to be a sorcerer or whatever. But it's just like one that I have so much nostalgia for. It's the most ridiculous story. I don't know if you guys ever played the Might Magic games, Um, but the storyline for it is like these devils have like landed from a meteorite and crashed into the land of Enroth. And it's your job to defeat the devils and restore harmony to the land or whatever. But you find out halfway through that the devils are actually like Martians. And then they like, you've been playing an entire game of swords and sorcery and fireballs and stuff. And then they just give you laser guns and they're like, go take care of the devils. And that's, the twist of the game is that's just definitely like, one way to throw a wrench into it. 
oh, it's so wild. They're like, the ancient titan weapons, and then you're literally just running around, like, pew-pewing all these devils. Um, so Might Magic 6 was my first intro to RPGs. It was my first, like, long-form game I ever played. And, like I said, it's got a lot of nostalgia for me and my family. Um, I would say GoldenEye 64 would be number two. That's always a good pick. Always a good pick. Anything yeah. on the 64. First FPS, uh, first uh, like competitive multiplayer game for me, not necessarily out there in the world, but it again, something that I have a ton of memories of pretty much anywhere you went, someone somewhere would have an N64. I just remember the amount of relief I had when my brother and I had been playing it. And then my parents were like, Oh, we have to, you know, we're going up to the family reunion for Christmas. And we're like, ah, all right but we want to stay and play video games. And they're like, no, sorry, you got to have family time. You drive six hours up to the upper peninsula of Michigan and get there. And my cousin is like, I just got an N64. Like, oh my God, we could still play GoldenEye. This is the <laughs> um, And then number three is Dota. I, I think at this point between Dota 1, Dota 2, and Heroes of New Earth, which was essentially a Dota clone, I think I've put reasonably over 5,000 hours worth of gameplay into those. They're so incredibly deep and complex and competitive and social that I've never had another gaming experience like those games. I totally understand that. I'm not, I've never really, I played Dota a couple times and it wasn't really exactly for me, but I've played a ton of League of Legends. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly how the depth of the MOBA and having, I mean, I think League of Legends is up to like 100 characters. I don't even know what Dota has. It's probably more because it's been around longer. That is at 112, I think. Okay. but like, I think there was a time, wasn't League of Legends doing a thing where they were like, we're going to put a new hero every two weeks or something? It was something like that and it just was overwhelming. I don't think I was playing during that time. I got in a little bit later, but yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, with Dota, it's like we're lucky to get two new heroes a year. And when they come out, they're the hypest shit in the entire world. Well, that's good. You at least get used to playing against them. Because if I take two or three months off of League, there's five new characters and I don't even know what's happening. So Yeah, yeah you can <laughs> have you an entire team against you of people that you've never seen before. Exactly, exactly. Well... It was really nice chatting with you, Mitchell. I really liked hearing the story about IO, how it all came to be, and the fact that you were that 1% that actually followed through on the idea of starting a bar and just hanging out with your friends. All right, so before we wrap everything up here, I just wanted you to shout out all your social media, so let everyone know where they can find you. Sure, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Both of those are just IO Arcade Bar, all one word. Um, Right now, we're doing... Uh, in order to adapt for COVID, we are renting out private parties at the bar for groups of 10 or less. So you can get you and your friends together and for 20 bucks a person, uh, roll in, play some games, drink some beers and pretend that all of this isn't happening in the world. I hope that someday everyone will get a chance to visit. Yeah, me too. I hope I can visit soon. Yeah, once we go back to normal standards, we will certainly be out there and maybe we'll be bringing a, a Galactic Battleground cabinet with us to oh, that'd be great. drop off. Um, but I just wanted to thank you again for coming on here, Mitchell. And if you guys like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to subscribe, whether you're on YouTube or you're listening to the podcast. 
And we will be back next week with another episode on Friday. So thanks for listening. And until next time, peace.